Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaud and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called seven stories seven minute stories as you drop off your kids to school we'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more visit toledosociety.com that's t-o-l-e-d-o society.com assalamualaikum i'm khalil alika and i'm zahir parker and welcome to accidentalmuslims.com so accidentalmuslims.com is a, a movement a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So, welcome and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum, uh, Yusuf. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Yusuf, there is a great deal of negativity globally towards Muslims. Why do you think this is so? And what do you think needs to be done to change this negative perception? Um, well... I remember even when I came to Islam back in 1977, even before that, there was a general mistrust, you know, about Islam and Muslims. Um, and, you know, it really, wasn't, it really wasn't even on the horizon, actually, at that time. There were a few things going on, a few festivals and exhibitions, and, you know, Islamic culture and carpets, and, you know, it all went together. Uh, as a kind of vision of an ancient, you know, kind of civilizational history. It had nothing really to do with today and, and you know, the problems that mankind is facing. So um, when 1979 came, of course, the Iranian Revolution changed everything. Mm. You know, Islam suddenly became political. And uh, suddenly, uh, for me, you know, the, the path, the spiritual path, the straight path, which we read in the Quran, um, Sirat al-Mustaqim was suddenly, you know, it was almost it was it didn't have any place in the in the um, in the discussion because everybody was talking about the Iranian Revolution, and there were pictures and you saw the kind of fury on the streets and from that moment, I think the the message of Islam became politicized very much, and of course Saudi Arabia then sort of responded with. Wait, hang on, we've got Iranian revolution here, you know, so we can't have that on our doorstep mm. and not respond. So mm. then Saudi had to become very um, prolific in its output, and it did. It started producing books, and so, so many things were going on. And then, of course, you don't have a model, especially in the West, because the West is running the media, uh, essentially. You know, wherever you go, whether it's Malaysia or even Japan and, and uh, China, you'll see that the influence of, of Western media technique has reached everywhere and so the west of course has its has its view now of islam as a political you know force which has come to remove its power base you know and then, and you've got muslims on the street trying to explain islam you know so no hang on islam is about um our belief you know belief in god belief in in the, the divine way of all the prophets and, and messengers. And people get stuck in, why are you wearing a scarf? You know, there's so many problems. 
the average Muslim is not really equipped to answer, you know, or, or to give da'wah um, that easily because, again, a lot of Muslims grown up with the Muslim background, family, and that could be in Bangladesh, that could be in Pakistan, that could be in Iran, that could be in Saudi, could be in Lebanon. I mean, they're different cultural backgrounds trying to deal with modern contemporary, you know, um, attitudes and, and questions, and a lot of Muslims are just not equipped to answer those questions. Uh, Yusuf, uh, uh, Jazakumullah uh, for that response. Uh, what about the fact that, you know, we as Muslims are seen to be our own worst enemies, the kind of image that we also portray often, you know, engenders sometimes a negative response uh, from the other, as it were? Yeah, oh, absolutely true. I mean, look at most of the wars that are happening in Muslim lands today are between Muslims. You know, the Muslims shedding Muslim blood. I mean, what kind of an advertisement is that for the message of peace which Islam contains and carries um, and promotes? Well, it's, it's, it's obvious that um, you're, you're right. And, and we have a, a, also another problem where there are, you know, young Muslims who are growing up disconnected, perhaps, from their parents' background, growing up in uh, a land which has an Islamophobic view of their religion, so they can't go home, they can't go out in the street. So what do they do? And then you get these radical kind of preachers who will catch on to these mm. people, you know, these young energetic minds, and, and then give them a solution, a very quick, fast, mm. you know, fast-track solution. And that, of course, leads nowhere, because the, the track is not, it's not, you have to follow the prophetic, you know, guidance. Mm. And that always means moderation in the beginning, very, very important moderation, and beginning with principles first. And politics is the last thing you want to do. Mm. It's like war. Is that the first thing, that, is that the solution at the beginning? Of course not. It's the very, very last thing, that, you know, option that you take if there is such a, a condition that you know, there's nothing else that you can do except to protect yourself and your family, and etc. Et so I think it, we are right. We're very much our own enemies. You said, uh, coming back to the next question, I, I recall uh, some years ago uh, when you mentioned words to this effect, if I don't quote you accurately, please forgive me, right? Uh, we Muslims must not be seen as only supporting causes that affect Muslims, but we must be seen as supporting humanitarian causes too. Why is this so vital? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's an Islamic... Uh uh, tendency is an Islamic character to, to want to help humanity. I mean, when we read in the Quran, the saving of one human life is the same as saving all of humanity. Well, it doesn't say one Muslim life, of course not. So, in other words, that is the key and the core of, you know, what we believe. And we know, and we are the ones who know that we all come from Adam and Eve. We all know that we've got one parentage. The racism, unfortunately, which has permeated the, um, you know, the Muslim mind, you know, has very much been accentuated by the fact that now, of course, there is no global Muslim leadership. That we're all in countries with different flags flying, and some of us are living in other foreign lands, you know, trying to make a living. And so it's very disjointed. Um, but the global view is the prominent view, and so when you see at times when for instance, the Ottomans, um, you know, were ruling, 
they were considering everybody. I mean, you, 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 if you go back to Omar, mm. you'll find that, you know, when he found a Jewish man who had been paying his taxes and he was left kind of abandoned, he wasn't helped and he was in need, he said, why are we not looking after him? You know, and so, you know, that is the concept, that is the way in which Islam sees the well-being of society as a whole, because Muslims cannot be isolated and be happy with other people who are suffering, uh, you know, as their next-door neighbor or whatever. I know this question is something uh, that is foremost in the minds of uh, many uh, South Africans, and uh, the, the question is, Yusuf, why have you returned to music? Oh, well... Conveniently, there's a book I've written, you know, which is called Why I Still Carry a Guitar. I'm very glad I came up with that title, actually, because it does say exactly what I want it to. Um, and it's, it's an interesting question because, you know, when I first started hearing rumors about me um, sort of even, God forbid, leaving Islam because I picked up the guitar, I went, oh, my God, where's that coming from? Mm. They said, oh, South Africa. Mm. I went, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so then, anyway, so, you know, I wish actually those people would go and explain to the immigration authorities in USA and Israel, then I might have an easier time traveling around. But anyway, no, of course not. Playing or the non-playing of music is not an issue of faith. This is one of the first things we have to learn. In the beginning when I became a Muslim, of course, I didn't want to do anything wrong. But of course, I, I never read anything in the Quran, by the way, before I embraced Islam, about music. There's no word, you know, in, in the Quran which says music is forbidden or doesn't even mention music. So there are other things it mentions, like poetry, you know. But even then, there's a kind of a positive and negative which is indicated in the Quran. So when I started hearing some of the um, negative uh, views and, and, and some of the hadith which were coming, you know, to my attention. Um, I wasn't a scholar of hadith or fiqh or anything, so I, I took the safe path. I simply put the guitar down, you know. But um, so then it took took many years, of course, of, of study. And and one of the things which one must know is are the rules of fiqh. You know, the rules of fiqh are, are they're the keys to understanding how we um, arrive at a decision of what is right and what is wrong. First of all, the halal and haram is very clear. If there was anything in the Quran which said that music was haram, that's, it's over. It's, you know, we need to think about it twice. Um, you know, but there wasn't. And so when you come to an area where there are perhaps two hadith, two references, and you find... Um, that they kind of oppose each other some, in some way, um, then you need to evolve or understand the rules of fiqh. And, and so that's one of the things I went through. I went through a whole... Uh, well, I, I couldn't not study the subject because I was so interested. That was obviously I was a musician in the beginning and, and the Muslim community, the moment I, I stood up to talk, the next thing they'd ask me to do is to give us a nasheed, you know, mm. sing us a song. Mm. It was natural. Mm. It was natural. And the first thing I did for my child when, when, when Hassana, my first daughter, was born, 1980, I wrote a song mm. called Aids for Allah. Mm. I didn't use a guitar. Mm. But I, I, I wrote those words because I know how good it is um, and how easy it is to pass a message on uh, to get children to learn things, you know, through musical uh, tones and, and, and melodies. So anyway, um, I've been studying this subject and, you know, when we come to the final issue, 
I've taken the position that yes, of course, there is there's certain music. If you bring all the other things like gazina and you know and alcohol and you bring all that in together, it starts to become this is it tahrim. Call it tahrim. You know, you've got to be very careful about calling something haram when at another opportunity it doesn't fit all the, um, mm. doesn't tick all the boxes. Mm. Uh, you take another situation where, like, for instance, if you go to um, what happened in India, how was India, you know, how did it find Islam? You have a whole history of how the Qasidas mm. were the, the main keys to opening people's hearts. When they heard the words, new light of morality coming through their traditional cultural channel which is music um, and song, they embraced it. Today you have to look at the uh, one of the rules of, uh, of fiqh which I think you know, everyone, every scholar knows is that there is the issue of urf, you know, what is commonplace in the culture of the place where you're, you're preaching Islam or where you're taking Islam and if there is something which is non-harmful. I'm not talking about the drink, I'm mm. not talking about the mm. sex and all that mm. other stuff. I'm talking about it's not, har- not harmful in the very innocent way. Then that becomes a rule as fast and as strong as other rules in Islam, such as the Hadith. So, you know, common usage is, is another word for urf. Mm. Uh, what people are so, so used to. And anyway, so finally, you, you come to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and you will find a very, very strong hadith. A very strong, which is there in uh, Sahih Bukhari. There's this very, very strong hadith where you see um, Aisha being entertained with her friend, singing and playing mm-hmm. the duff um, in, in the Prophet's presence. Mm-hmm. And then you see something very interesting. Abu Bakr Siddiq comes in, her father, and says, what is this? The instruments of shaitan in the Prophet's presence. Mm. And so the Prophet's response, what was it? This is very crucial. Mm. He said, leave them. And what happened? Abu Bakr Siddiq walked out. That's it. And, and, other, and then, of course, there's the example of, um, uh, of course, it was the Eid. Yes, we know. There was also the time when the Ethiopian um, uh, tribe came to visit the Prophet, peace yeah. be upon him. And... They were, they were so excited, they were so happy, and he allowed them to dance, mm. you know, mm. and to do their kind of cultural expression mm. and song, obviously, mm. in the mosque. Mm. Oh, my goodness, this is very, this is foundational um, evidence mm. for the allowance mm. when the moment is right, mm. when it's a moral, mm. you know, situation, there is no immorality involved. It's a cultural thing, it's bringing people together, it's making people happy. And so therefore, you see that. Then you see other hadith, of course, which in the words of, um, I know that he was a little bit critical, um, and others have criticized him for being so literal, but Ibn Hazm uh, from Andalus, you know, studied the subject and he said there isn't one strong, authentic hadith against music. And that, that's a big statement for a muhaddith, you know, to say. Mm. Um, and there's been criticisms about him. But the foundation of that, there's something sort of, you know, to be, to be researched. Of course there are moments when, even if you take the example of the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, and there's a reported moment when he was passing and a flute was playing. Mm. Well, if we take that as an accurate 
hadith. Very interesting, because yes, he did put his fingers in his ears, mm. um, according to the hadith. But he didn't tell his companion to stop listening or to go and break that instrument. Mm. He said, is it finished? Is it finished? Mm. And so from that, I mean, my perception of, of that particular example is that the Prophet, peace be upon him, was of the heavenly realm. You know, he was receiving words from Allah. Music, in a way, was a kind of an interference, or could be an interference with that. Mm. And, and in the Quran, it's, there is a verse which says, um, it is not fitting for him, you know, because they called him a poet. Mm. They said, he's a poet. Mm. Now, poetry isn't forbidden, and yet sometimes it is, mm. you know, when it's bad and when it's corrupt. But poetry, la yambari lahu, it is not fitting for him. He's not supposed to be. Uh, because he's the prophet. And therefore, that is an example of where, two examples, where he allowed the singing to take place. He allowed the flute to continue. Mm. Yeah? Um, very, very clear example. So when you weigh it all up, yes, I believe it's a dangerous area because I've been in the music business. Mm. I know how problematic it can be. I know it can destroy people. It can take away their morality. Mm. But at the same time, if you have someone like me who's come through all that, and then has become a Muslim. It took me time to find my feet, you know, as a Muslim. As I said recently, I said, when I came to the Muslim community, it was as if I came to a, a fancy dress party, but I didn't, I didn't have anything to wear. Mm. I didn't know what, what turban, what, what, what should I, you know, where was my model? So I've taken a long time to come to these conclusions. And I hope people will get a chance to read my book and they'll see the... Um, you know, the rationale behind it, and they won't be so judgmental. Those people who imputed some kind of kufr mm. issue, I think they should repent, and mm. I forgive them for mm. that, uh, but they should be very careful about that kind of a thing, because you only have to look back at Islamic history, you'll find it in Baghdad, Khalifa Harun al-Rashid, you know, was a, was a patron of the arts, mm. and music and art, and mm. Dar al-Hikmah, mm. you know, the, the greatest library in history was in Baghdad and you want to call him that as well as everybody else in Baghdad no so be very very careful about that that's my advice Yusuf you know it's very interesting uh, what you are saying Uh, if you look at yourself right uh, before you embrace Islam at the time when you had those uh, millions of people at your beck and call putting you on a pedestal as a demigod, the fame and glory that you had, you left that behind you. And now when you do, for example, participate in these programs, on these concerts, in your mind, what is fundamentally different in terms of how you see the people and in terms of the impact you wish to have on them? Muslims used to contribute so much to, to humanity, to, to science, to medicine, to art, to, to, to everything, to morality, obviously. Um, and, and, and so therefore, when we stop contributing and we only become consumers, I see that as a major danger, a danger to the future of, of the Muslim Ummah because we're not productive. Um, you can see even in the West now, you know, they're looking at China mm-hmm. and saying, oh, oh mm-hmm. you know, China's making everything mm-hmm. and we're just you know, mm-hmm. buying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be in charge of the IP, but that may not be the, the ideal solution in the end because you're not, people are not working. 
And that's what's happened in the Muslim community. I mean, you can see so many examples in the Muslim world where there's been oil, and you know, and that's made people lazy, made the Muslims lazy. Whereas we should be at the forefront of all areas of life and, and development and progress, if you like, for the human um, happiness. That is Islam. Um, but we're not there. And so when it comes to what do I think when I'm doing this, I'm contributing to people's happiness and their view of Islam is changing. And that's important because there's so much opposition and media against that. So I'm using the media to turn that you know, into something positive. And again, people know my history. If they listen to my songs, they say, well, wow, he wrote a song called On the Road to Find Out. Oh, he wrote a song, and in, the, in that song it says, pick up a good book and kick out the devil's sin. Yeah. I, was, I was writing that way before I knew anything about true Islam. And so it all starts to fit into a picture, and I leave Allah to guide whoever he wishes to guide. But there are those who are definitely changing their perception about Islam through the concerts that I'm doing. Yusuf, uh, coming back uh, to this book, Why I Still Carry a Guitar, I've read the book. And uh, alhamdulillah, it makes for compelling reading. It, uh, it's your own personal journey. And you speak about external events, what has happened in the global world and also in your internal world. For a Muslim reading this, what message are you giving him? Um, I'm, I'm hopefully giving, giving them a, an idea of the rationale behind actions. You know, and, and I start, the very, the very beginning of this is to, to help Muslims to have husnul dhan, you know, good thoughts, uh, positive thoughts. There's an example of a hadith in the beginning, which I put, which mentions that when the Prophet, let me just read this because yeah, it's very yeah. important yeah. Um, and it's the kind of reason, I, I called it reasons, yeah. that's the chapter heading. And I said, uh, once the last Prophet, Muhammad, peace be upon him, was walking with his wife, Safiya, bint Huyay, when two companions from the Ansar passed them and the Prophet called them, called them and said, she is my wife, yeah. Safiya bint Huyay. Yeah. They were surprised and asked him, why he said that? He replied, Satan flows inside people like blood. I feared maybe he might put bad thoughts in your mind about me. Imagine, that's the prophet himself, anticipating, looking, um, trying to close the door for shaitan to enter. And so that positive aspect of you know, um, giving, clarifying what you're doing, why you're doing it, is so important and I hope that the book has done something towards that to explain some of the actions that I've been involved in. You know Yusuf, uh, early on you were speaking about uh, why you returned to music. I think maybe there are those sitting there they would want to know whether the decision was came from you within from your own understanding of Islam, your own reading of the Hadith did you, for example, consult with scholars? I know, I remembered once I heard this said from you, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, you were told after you embraced Islam that you had, you had turned your back on those millions of adoring fans. Mm. And uh, there was a suggestion you need to reconnect with them. Mm. Is that true? Um, well, 
that was one of the things that, um, in what happened was that when I embraced Islam in London, in the central mosque, there was an imam there, Dr. Sayyid Mutawali Darsh, may Allah bless him, grant him peace. He's, he was a wonderful scholar and, and a great man who understood the contemporary issues as well. And he was an Azhari, you know, he really had studied. And when, uh, when I told him what I did, he said, hmm, well, you shouldn't do too much performing, because I think I was a young man then, yeah. I'm a pretty handsome guy. And, you know, <laughs> you know, so he might, he might have seen something that I didn't see at that point. But he said, but continue making music. Now, that was his advice. When I met Yusuf Karadawi, you know, and we had a few conferences together, he was urging me, he said, you know, use your music. Um, but I was too hesitant, because I didn't want to do anything wrong. And I think I'd been influenced, to a large extent, by another kind of... Uh, group uh, of, of voicing which had become very you know conservative uh, and so that therefore there were these voices and, and yes there was someone else who said to me do you know you're a sheikh to millions of people I said what do you mean mm. what do you mean he said there are millions of people out there who consider you their sheikh but it's you know not in mm. in that kind of way but they look up to you they respect you and and they want to follow you so I think that um I began to understand that much later, only when I'd done the research. I wasn't going to listen to anybody. I wanted the... Yeah, there's, a, there's a hadith also, a very important one, which says, you know, that righteousness is that which sits comfortably in the chest. And wrongdoing is that which wavers to and fro, even though people have given you fatwas about it. So that, you know, is something which, again... The Prophet, peace be upon him, has given us the, the guidelines and the barometer for us to understand that we also need to look into our hearts. We cannot just copy or do taqlid, you know, yes. to imitate uh, or people that, that are around us. That's, that's not the way. Yes. It is the way of understanding fiqh. And there's the saying of the Prophet, peace that be upon is. him, that the best of those in Islam, the best before Islam, are the best in Islam once they have comprehended. Mm -hmm. Inshallah, may Allah make me one of those. Inshallah. Yusuf, uh, the book, Why I Still Carry a Guitar, how has it been received? Are there any anecdotes you want to share from pe uh, of people that might have given you feedback on the book, Muslims and non-Muslims? I, th I think it's a clarifier. Mm -hmm. I think anything which clarifies issues is very, very useful. And many have come to me and, and thanked me mm -hmm. for going into this subject mm -hmm. and just making it clear as to what my position is. Um, also, I leave it open for those who, you know, who still believe that, you know, mm -hmm. it's wrong. Well, I'm not going to argue because, you know, there are certain veracities um, to that argument but but the overwhelming majority of evidence I believe is on the other side but that's up to them um, but many people have come and thanked me for, for having gone through this and I think it's clarified for them um, the issue I still think that Muslims have to develop their own way of expressing themselves creatively that's not easy I mean I grew up in the middle of the West End so I've got a great history of you know background influences and things um, and so for many who haven't been exposed to that uh, they may have another approach to culture but or you know how to express themselves but if you look at Africa for instance Africa is you know music is everywhere yeah, everywhere you go to Ethiopia you go to Mali you know Senegal uh, South Africa everywhere you go there is some form 
and that is, I think, a very interesting source for, for you know, even the blues. Mm. They say that the blues mm. itself, which influenced rock and roll, mm. came from Africa. Mm. You know, the Bo Diddley beat. Mm. There's a beat mm. that goes that goes like this. Analyze that. Mm. That is la ilaha illallah. So illa mm. And goodness me, that was a major beat, mm. you know, within mm. rock and roll. Uh, Bo Diddley used it. Mm. So um, anyway, these are all kind of indicators of how we need to develop this and nurture this within the Muslim community. Creativity mm. is an attribute mm. of Allah, mm. and it's not something mm. that which He's uh, forbidden us from mm. creating or recreating. Mm. That is why we're so advanced. This is why the human being, you know, is is beloved in this in this universe and has been placed in such a position because we utilize mm -hmm. so many things for the advancement of and the betterment of all. Alhamdulillah. Yusuf, I mean, uh, one of the things that I would like to ask you is: there, Are there, for example, any compelling quotations you'd like to share with the audience for the people listening? to this interview from the book, you know, so... Yeah, let me, let yeah, me just... I let think, me just I think it's important. Some, it? some, of the, um, some of the quotes are actually here. Mm. Uh, what, like, for instance, during the time, um, just after the Iranian Revolution, I, I wrote this, I said, the clouds of ignorance were gathering above us. The work of calling people to enter peace through the worship of one God was still unattended on a major scale. Mm. You know, mm. that's... The actual work mm -hmm. of, of the Prophet, peace be upon him, which he left for the Muslims to carry out, mm -hmm. was to deliver the, the, the message of oneness, of Tawheed. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean everybody's going to believe. Mm -hmm. That's another point. Mm -hmm. That's where, unfortunately, we get these radicals who have taken that mm -hmm. and said, well, that is, that is, everybody must believe. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they must become slaves or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, God mm -hmm. forbid. So, but yet, mm -hmm. the model of Medina was those who didn't accept mm -hmm. Islam. Mm -hmm you know, were given their rights to even live by, according to the books and the, the Torah and, you know, the Injil, uh, that they believed in, mm. so long as they followed the moral, you know, rules within those books. So, in other words, it, it's, it really is something that the Muslim community has missed. Um, another one I wrote, 9-11, the manic attempt to cause maximum suffering and death in the name of Islam now became the greatest opportunity to blacken the name of Muslims that you could ever dream mm. of. That's so true. You know. So these are kind of things which you can find in the book, and I hope, inshallah, that people will get a chance. Mm. Yusuf, uh, when I read the book, I came across uh, a statement that you made, and I'm, I'm merely referring to it because I think it will be of benefit uh, to the listeners when you said there, that knowingly you have not, uh, since you embraced Islam, you've, you have never forsaken your five times Salah every day. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know my history, but one of the first things I did was I bumped into the Tablighi Jama'at. Mm. And when I did, mm. I think that was a grace and, and, a, and a blessing for me because it, put, it gave me some of the basic tools. Mm. And one of them, of course, was Dawah. Mm. Dawah was the major. Mm. But, of course, the prayer, you know, and, and the basic fundamental of prayer uh, has never left. Mm. I, I mean, you know, uh, learning wudu, learning how to 
make the wudu is one thing. Learning how to eat with your <laughs> three fingers, you know, is another. Yeah, yeah. All these things yeah, I learned. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. But when it came to teaching Islam beyond the borders of, of, of uh, the Tablighi Jama'at, I knew that there were a lot of people out there, as, as this man said, you've got a million people mm-hmm. out there waiting for, mm-hmm. to hear something mm-hmm. from you. You know, it took me time to be able to understand and compromise certain things which I knew were necessary in modern contemporary approach to Islam to be able to communicate to people who are out there and have no other access, mm-hmm. um, you know, to Islam except through the media. Mm-hmm. Yusuf, uh, the book, Why I Still Carry a Guitar, how has it been received? Are there any anecdotes you want to share from pe- uh, of people that might have given you feedback on the book, uh, Muslims and non-Muslims? You know? I, th- I think it's a clarifier. Mm. I think anything which clarifies issues is very, very useful. And many have come to me and, and thanked me mm. for going into this subject mm. and just making it clear as to what my position is. Um, also, I leave it open for those who, you know, who still believe that you know mm. it's wrong. Well. I'm not going to argue because, you know, there are certain mm. veracities mm. Um, to that argument, but, but the overwhelming majority of evidence, I believe, is on the other side, but that's up to them. Um, but many people have come and thanked me for, for having gone through this, and I think it's clarified for them um, the issue. I still think that Muslims have to develop their own way of expressing themselves creatively. Mm. That's not easy. I mean, I grew up in the middle of the West End, so I've got a great history of, you know, background influences and things. Um, and so for many who haven't been ex- exposed to that, uh, they may have another approach to culture, but, or, you know, how to express themselves. But if you look at Africa, for instance, Africa is, yeah. you know, music is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, everywhere you go to Ethiopia, you go to Mali, yeah. you know, Senegal, uh, South Africa, everywhere you go, there is some form... And that is, I think, a very interesting source for, for you know, even the blues. Mm. They say that the blues mm. itself, which influenced rock and roll, mm. came from Africa. Mm. You know, the Bo Diddley beat, mm. there's a beat mm. that, goes, that goes like this. Mm. If you analyze that, mm. that is La ilaha illallah. So true. La ilaha and goodness me, that was a major beat, mm. you know, within mm. rock and roll. Uh, Bo Diddley used it. Mm. So, um, anyway, these are all kind of indicators of how we need to develop this and nurture this within the Muslim community. Creativity mm. is an attribute mm. of Allah, mm. and it's not something mm. that which He's uh, forbidden us from mm. creating or recreating. That is why we're so advanced. This is what the human being, you know, is is beloved. In this, in this universe and has been placed in such a position because we utilize mm-hmm. so many things for the advancement of and the betterment of all. Alhamdulillah. Yusuf, the <clears throat> I know you, much of your time is consumed with these concerts, writing new songs, uh, engaging people, but uh, that's only a part of the many things that you do. What other projects engage your time, Yusuf? Well, obviously, education is still one of the main uh, pillars of my activity. We we run the schools in London, which we are hoping to develop the um, the campus um, and and um, of course the syllabuses which go along with that. I've always been very, very, I would say, energetically trying to re-infuse those curriculums with with an approach which would make it 
complementary mm. for children to understand this world. Mm. You know, I don't see the reason why we need to separate religion from mm. this world. Mm. Why, why have we not got in history mm. uh, the prophets? Why are we only looking at Starling and, you know, Washington mm. and all these people and, uh, you know, and Queen Elizabeth or whatever? Where's, where's Abraham? Mm. Peace be upon him. Where is Moses? Mm. You know, these are all mm. iconic prophets mm. who have been sent mm. to guide mankind mm. and they're missing so I've always been a, a promoter of you know of, of a more incorporating mm. um, uh, curriculum so th then there's charity and I work with a, a very good uh, charity called Penny Appeal mm. and we're working on things which I hope will come to light very soon Peace Train is one of those mm. um, concepts which we're trying to take forward also to um, to make sure that we understand how important it is for people to learn how to live together, mm. you know. And of course, they're hungry, so we need to feed. Mm. Uh, they're uneducated, we need to educate. Mm. They're sick, we need to cure, mm. you know. But also, there's this aspect of, you know, let's face it, Shaitan used mm. whatever means he could mm. to get the brother to kill the brother. Mm. And that, mm. you know, is the beginning of the story, mm. and it hasn't stopped. Mm. Finally, Yusuf, uh, what legacy would you like to leave behind? How would you like uh, people to remember you? Um, I think that actually this is a, an appropriate moment to say that it's, it's, it's peace. I mean, if, if you look at everything that I've been working for, the very first song I wrote was called Mighty Peace. Mm -hmm. You know, the song I'm known for very much is Peace Train. Mm -hmm. And most of my work has been trying to, you know, res resolve conflict in one way or another mm. whether it's through education mm. or, or even charity because mm. you know many people are there's rich and there's a lot of poor mm. so you know trying to marry these things mm. together brings peace mm. so I think the one legacy in one word peace and that's the root of Islam mm. um, I think it's a appropriate way to end this interview it's always uh, a joy to interact with you Yusuf and uh, may Allah guide you in all your endeavors. Uh, may you inspire people. May you connect as our Nabi Sallallahu was a mercy unto all creation. And sometimes we Muslims are, live uh, insular lives and we are isolationists. So may Allah bless you. Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaud and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called seven stories seven minute stories as you drop off your kids to school we'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more visit toledosociety.com that's t-o-l-e-d-o society.com so that's it for today's show we hope you added value we hope you enjoyed it but most of all we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com if you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.